Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. And I'm always pleased to welcome one of the attorneys from Lavelle Law Limited to the podcast series, but I'm especially pleased when one of the partners from the firm takes time to join me, as will be the case today. Hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell, and today we look at a a very serious legal issue, uh, orders of protection, uh, and similarly, no stalking orders. Now, these are important topics, especially for individuals who live in fear of abuse or violence. And sharing some insight today will be Attorney Emil Alcas, who, as I stated previously, is a partner at uh, the firm of Lavelle Law Limited and who is always very helpful when he's on the podcast. And uh, this is one I want to take some time with and, and really make sure we cover well today, so I'm glad that Emil is here. And uh, to that extent, Emil, thanks very much for taking the time. This is an interesting topic. I'm glad you're here. Oh, thanks for having me back. Now, I'd like to kind of work our way slowly through some of the definitions as we begin here before we get into some of the uh, you know, uh, specifics about the topics. I know we've, we've referenced restraining orders in the past on various podcasts. Is an order of protection pretty much the same thing? It is, it is. So Illinois, we call what, what most people call restraining orders as orders of protection. Um, so when, when somebody says, or you hear on television or on the news that this person obtained a restraining order from this other person, what they're talking about are orders of protections or uh, the more uh, recent, you know, no contact, no stalking orders. Okay, and we'll, we'll kind of separate those and work our way through each uh, as we go through the podcast here. So let's let's go ahead and begin with an order of protection. You know, when that is sought and ultimately granted, what exactly does it provide? Uh, it provides protection. Uh, premise on domestic violence. So whether somebody is being physically abused, emotionally abused, uh, harassed, stalked, uh, you know, held uh, in, in, in almost captive, so to speak, you know, the law provides what's called an order of protection, which most people call a restraining order, prevents one party from abusing the other. And, you know, these are commonly found in um, domestic violence cases, so you've got um, husband-wife relationship or, or a dating relationship. I mean, those are the most common ones that you see, but it protects you know, the elderly as well. So if, if, if there's an older person that is in the care of somebody else and they're being neglected or being abused in some way, it gives them protections as well. So it's not limited to what you typically hear about are these husband-wife scenarios or the uh, boyfriend-girlfriend scenarios you know, orders of protections can be taken out for a child on behalf of a child, could be uh, petitioned for an elderly person, um, or could be just, you know, any other family relationship. So cousin versus cousin or a brother against a sister or, you know, a son against his mother or vice versa. So it provides protections for, you know, but there needs to be a relationship. There has to be some sort of familial relationship, so whether it's, by marriage, by blood, or through a dating relationship. Okay, okay, very interesting place to start there. Now, 
You also mentioned the no, no stalking or, or no contact order. Um, and first of all, did I hear you say that the, these are fairly new implementations in the law? Uh, yes. So it, it's only several years old. Orders protections have been around for a long time, but the see, but the distinction is that the orders of protection are for protection against either a former family member or household member or someone that uh, there was a similar relationship between the parties. The no contact, no stalking order are for individuals that have no real relationship with this other person. So, for example, a um, an employee-employer situation, um, you know, hypothetical, you know, the employee gets terminated from a job and now stalks his boss, uh, follows him around, harasses him, calls him, you know, six, 60 mm-hmm. times a day. You know, there wasn't a, you know, they're not a family relationship. Um, they're not household members. Uh, they never dated. Um, and so this was enacted to give those types of situations some protections. And um, so no contact, no stalking orders protects individuals that don't have a familiar relationship or a household relationship with this other person that they're trying to, you know, they're seeking protection from. Okay. All right, so let's let's talk about each in its own right here now, and so let's go back to the order of protection. You know, when one of when that when that is granted by the courts, what exactly happens? Uh, you know, how how is it enforced, and what does it provide for? Okay, uh, you know, the order of protections um, they can be obtained in two different ways. One is through a civil proceeding, and that's when the person goes to court themselves. Um, the other type of protection, or excuse me, the other way you obtain that order of protection is through the state's attorney's office, and those are in in, in uh, criminal cases. So, for example, if there's a domestic battery case and the abuser was arrested and is now facing criminal charges for domestic battery, the state's attorney's office, who represents the victim, so to speak, will obtain that on her or his behalf. Um, so that's a criminal. Uh, you know, that's the criminal way of getting it, so to speak. Mm-hmm. The other avenue is through a civil proceeding, and those are the most common ones. That's where the person files a petition with the court. And the way they're done is uh, the party that's being abused will go to court and complete a petition for an order of protection. They will go in front of a judge. Now, they're appearing by themselves, so the other party, the abuser, is not present in court. And okay. if the judge finds that the allegations rise to the level of abuse or harassment, they'll issue what's called an emergency order. And that emergency order needs would be served on the abuser, and then there'd be a court date set to hear the full testimony to see whether a full order of protection would be granted. Okay. And, and there's some interesting things there I think we can talk about, but uh, let's let's just stay with the um, higher level at the moment, and let's do the same here in terms of describing a no-stalking or no-contact order and, and the process there, and, and would it provide exactly the same type of outcome? Uh, yeah, the procedure is very, very similar. So there's a petition, again, that's, that's filed by the complaining party. Um, yeah, the petition would be presented to a court. The court would make determination whether there was abuse or harassment or neglect. And if the judge finds that there's those things present, they'll issue an emergency no contact or no stalking order, which then would be served upon the person that's causing this kind of conduct to occur. And then that's set for a formal hearing as well. And if the judge extends the temporary order after they have this full hearing, 
um, the judge can grant that for up to two years. And after the two years have expired, if there's still that threat of harm or abuse, um, you know, the complaining party can always go back and try to extend that with the court. So the procedures okay. are very similar. They're just titled differently. Yeah, yeah, and obviously based on the relationship. We're, he- we're hearing about uh, um, some some very interesting topics uh, with Emil Alcast today, Emil's uh, partner at Lavelle Law and, and uh uh, very much involved in the family law practice group at the firm. He's, he's got extensive experience dealing with issues that uh, that impact individuals in some, some very difficult situations. So uh, we're getting a very good look here at uh, orders of protection and, and uh, no-stalking uh, rules as, as well as a few other things. Emil's written a number of articles on, on key topics like this. You can find those at uh, LavelleLaw.com if you'd like to read through and get a little more in-depth analysis in, in some cases. Um, Emil, can you tell us a little bit about the the process? Now, you mentioned that uh, there could be a sort of a immediate and, and apparently temporary order put in place that is then followed by a uh, actual proceeding at which both parties are present. You know, is there sort of a burden of proof on the person who is filing the complaint to to show that there has been some abuse, or what does a what does a judge look for to make these orders, as you said, uh, more lasting, or at least for the two year permanent? Um, right. So the burden would be on the complaining party to prove that there's abuse. So the party would go in initially to get this temporary order of protection or temporary no stalking order. And that's set, and it's usually three weeks. So you could, that order lasts three weeks. So the hearing has to occur within those three week, that three-week period. And so here we are. We're at this full hearing now. Both sides are present. It's the burden of the person petitioning the court, the one that's asking for the, no, uh, the order of protection. Mm-hmm. It's their burden to prove that there's been abuse or neglect or harassment on, the other, on part of the other uh, party. And it's not the level or the burden that they have to prove is not like a criminal proceeding. So it's not beyond a reasonable doubt. It's a lesser standard than that. It's basically more likely than not that this abuse occurred. And if they can meet that burden, then the judge would grant them what's called a plenary order. And and what that is is that's that two-year order, something that's more permanent Mm -hmm. in nature. And does the person who is being accused have the opportunity to at least provide some defense or refute the statements in some way? Oh, absolutely correct. So the the person petitioning gets to go first, um, and they'll present their case. At the conclusion of their case, the respondent, the person that's being complained about, will present their case, and then the judge will make an ultimate determination as to whether the facts have shown that there was abuse or neglect. And if someone has an order placed against them, they are found, uh, I know I used that if the word is guilty, but, but the the order is granted, you know, what happens to them now in terms of making sure they comply and if there's any violations, um, you know, what are they exposed to if, if they don't adhere to it? So the order will tell that person what they can or cannot do. So, for example, if, um, you know, they're ordered to stay away from this party and they'll usually be, you know, a, a radius, like a 500-foot radius. Um, or it'll, it'll say don't contact this person, so no Facebook contact, no text messaging, no emails. If, you know, so the order will dictate what this person can or cannot do. And if the person violates that, the person that has the order of protection can contact the police. And if there's credible, credible evidence to show that 
there was a violation, the police can arrest you, and you can be arrested for violating an order of protection, which is a misdemeanor. So then, if, so this becomes now a criminal case, and the person's actually arrested, and now there's a criminal proceeding against that person for violating this order of protection. And one other thought that comes to mind here, I'm, I'm just trying to wrap up some of the things we've already covered. Um, you mentioned that uh, if an order is granted, it uh, is in effect for two years. What happens at the end of that period? Can it be uh, requested that it be extended again? It can, correct. So the person at the end of the two-year term, or just before it expires, will file a motion with the court asking the court to extend it for an additional two years. And uh, based on the circumstances at that point in time, so you know, two years later after this order was granted, the judge has to make the determination whether there's still that presence of danger, so to speak, and, and if there is, then the judge should extend it. Now, whether they extend it for another two years, um, that's a different question. It all depends on the facts of the case. But sure, a person can extend this and keep, can keep extending it for an indefinite period of time if the potential for abuse or neglect or harm is still present. Okay, and we've got just about a minute or so left here, and, and I've certainly directed this in, in response to my own uh, inquiries and things that uh, you know I find interesting about the topic. Um, are there any things we didn't cover today or anything that you'd like to share with, with listeners who maybe are feeling that they're in a situation where this might be necessary or an important topic that we didn't get to? Yeah, you know, I think these are, the statute allows for protections for domestic violence situations, and I think people, um, you know, I think their first instinct is to call the police, which is obviously correct. Always call the police first. Uh, but if there's a scenario where the police, for some reason, do not do anything, you people should be made aware that there are protections that they have um, for issues of violence or domestic violence or stalking. Uh, you know, I think that's something that's ongoing or prevalent now, especially with things like Facebook and Twitter and you know a lot of electronic devices. I think people are, are being stalked more because you know there's it's easier to do. And people have protections, and I think they just need to be made aware of that. Yeah, I think a uh, great point there, as well as uh, your earlier point about uh, elder care as well. So a lot more we could talk about on this topic, and perhaps we'll have Emil back uh, for another visit soon. Uh, unfortunately, we're out of time today. So I want to thank him for being here. And uh, let's direct you over to uh, LavelleLaw.com to get more information on this and many other topics. And we'll be back here covering more of them on these podcasts as well. Thanks. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. If you have any questions or topics for a future episode, please call Lavelle Law Limited at 847-705-7555 or email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com.